Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. Brought to you by MyPlates.com. Upgrade your license plate at MyPlates.com. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to Speed City. We are bouncing off the walls because we've been watching the Daytona for 24 hours. And the real racing season has kicked off. And is it kicked off in an incredible fashion. That last hour of the Rolex today, it was incredible. I think Les, I, this is John Massengill, that's Les Kaiser sitting across from me, and Jonathan Green's going to join us from New Zealand here in a moment. Les, I think I watched the Rolex on at least four different devices in about eight different locations over the last 28 hours. I was going to say, hours. you're not talking about a bunch of TV screens on your wall like Elvis. No. You're talking every form of delivery possible. Multiple, multiple screens on the PC, on the television, you know, Chromecasting or whatever casting. Yeah. And we had uh, it on, on the phones yesterday. Yeah, we had lunch yesterday. We had it on our phones. We made the restaurant turn it over to on their, <laughs> on their TVs. Uh, I don't know how many different places I watched it, but that just goes to show how cool it is now, how you can watch it. But... Man, we have got a fantastic show. Uh, it the, the Rolex was so good, it almost made me forget about the Liberty Media news in Formula One this week. We're going to talk a little bit yeah, about that. Yeah, we were that. like salivating for that. I know. And, and yet, uh, the Rolex almost made us forget about it. And, of course, we have Jordan Taylor joining us here in about 10, 15 minutes. The Taylor boys are always fun to have Oh, around. my gosh. I am so excited after watching them today. Uh, I'm ecstatic to have Jordan Taylor on the phone here in a few minutes, so... Uh, now, I believe we've got Mr. Jonathan Green calling in from the Toyota Racing Series in New Zealand. Mr. Green, how are you, sir? Very well, thank you, sir. How are you? That's that's good. The producer's getting good. His his wrist is so fast now. When you blast in, he turns it down he enough rocks. to keep everybody's speakers from blowing. We're doing great, Mr. Green. Yeah, uh, How's it going down there in New Zealand? It's a long way. I feel like i got to, you know... You've got to blast it out. <laughs> no, you don't. That's just your voice, buddy. I know you. Well, hey, man. There is I, no volume I, level. <laughs> I know that the uh, Toyota Racing Series is heating up a little bit down there. Uh, your boy, you know, we talked about having found the next Max Verstappen in Vershoon, but uh, Thomas Randall is uh, is trying to make this interesting, huh? Yeah, in fact, we've hit the halfway, halfway point. Um, Hampton Downs is where we were, just outside Auckland, uh, this weekend. And next weekend, we go down to Taupo uh, for three more races. And then the final weekend is Manfield, which is North Palmerston, where Toyota are based. And that's another three races. So we have six races left to go, all point scoring, 75 points for a win. And, um, yeah, really, really exciting. So, um you know, it's, it's it's all cracking off here, but I know you've got uh, lots going on over there. So what's happening over there? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's going on over here, Jonathan. I know you know what's going on, but um, but obviously the Daytona today was just in, incredible and uh, the Liberty Media story. But I, I want to spend the first part of the show talking about the Daytona 24 because 
it was obviously it had a little bit of everything, including freezing cold weather and rain down in Florida. And rain and NASCAR drivers in that weather. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was a few NASCAR drivers talking about driving in the rain for the first time ever. So uh, all that was incredible. And Jonathan, we just had one of your buddies call in. I think he just got one upped. Yeah, <laughs> one of your buddies. Yeah. One of your buddies just called in from Daytona. We got Jeremy Shaw on the line. Mister Shaw, how's it going? Good, 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 good thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not. It's not cold. It's Florida. What are you talking about? Yeah, gee, I tell you, where, wherever I go lately, I mean, I live in I live in California, and it's been freezing cold there, and piddling down with rain all the time. And I come to Florida, uh, first day was beautiful, the rest of it was pretty miserable, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, but thankfully, the racing was sensational, and uh, a really good crowd, great event, uh, super competitive, really fun weekend. Well, I was just telling the gang that I listened to your voice on about ten different devices this weekend, on phones and TVs and. <laughs> All that and all broken. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> we'll send you the bill. Well, you guys did a great job uh, doing that for IMSA. But so, uh, so what? Obviously, we got. By the way, we have Jordan Taylor coming on right after you here in about five or ten minutes. So we're Good. ecstatic to have him on the show. But uh, what are the stories for you? Because there's a bunch of stories in this this weekend. Oh man, where do you want to start? I mean, <laughs> it, it, it was it was tremendous. I mean, I was excited going into the, into the into the race weekend, into the new season. Like I guess I always am because uh, you know this is I, I love love to be involved in in this in this sport. So, but there were so many stories going. In. I, I I really do think that this was the most competitive field I've ever had for the Rolex Twenty Four, and I mean that in terms of the, the, the quality of the entries. There's no make weight cars. Yet with the first year I went there was 1980 for the Twenty Four. Hours and the, the winning margin was 33 laps between first and second. Second to third was another 18 laps, and uh, <laughs> so you know there's just no comparison these days. It was it, it, every car in there was a potential winner in each of one you know, one or other of the four classes. The quality of the drivers was fantastic, and and the race absolutely lived up to expectations. It was tremendous. Well, I, I got to ask you, uh, one of the stories I want to make sure we, we ask you before you go is uh, the, little, the little team Allegra. Tell me, what do you know about that story? Because I really had, I didn't follow it that closely. Well, I mean, the, 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 the Carlos de Casada has been around the sport a long, long time. His, his kid, a 17-year-old son, I think he's 17 now, uh, Michael, has been r- racing Porsches in, first of all, in Canada last year. He won the, the Gold Cup, which is kind of a sort of League Two series, if you like, and then he did the same in the in the Porsche USA GT2 Cup series last season. Um, so he, he stepped up. The, the two kids, two, uh, two young Canadians, Daniel Morad and, and Jesse Lazare, they both won the uh, the IMSA Porsche, Porsche GT3 Cup series, both in Canada and the US. Um, and then Michael Christensen, who's a factory Porsche driver, and the whole thing is put together. The team manager is a guy called Andy Green, who's a really cool Scotsman, uh, old school guy, no BS. Just you know, just knows how to get how to put together a really good program, and, and everything just gelled. The car was good. Michael Christensen did a fantastic job at the end of the race, and they won. You know, it's a great story. I mean, nobody knew anything really anything about that team going in, unless you were really, you know, really into the sport. But uh, but they delivered. 
And they, you know, yeah, beating some... Burn Square. Yeah, beating what? Uh, uh, Acura and Lexus? And, I mean, it's incredible, right? Beating everybody. There were, there were nine different manufacturers in GTD <laughs> this year. Uh, and there was, I think there were 16 different cars led the race. There were God knows how many lead changes. It had to be 70 or 80 um, during the race. There were nine, as I could say, nine different manufacturers. Seven of them, of them led during the race at one time or another. And the other two, which is Aston Martin and, and Lamborghini, were a very close second at one point or another during the race. So, uh, and, the, and the top 21 cars set a lap time within one second of each huh. other on a on an you know, almost two minute lap. Fantastic! That's crazy. That is yeah, crazy. I got to say, one of the highlights for me was seeing the NSX out on track. Seeing that car come back and uh, which get out part there. the hood that flew off? Yeah, the... yeah, there was a little embarrassment there, but <laughs> well, that's uh, just part of the it part was, of racing. But <laughs> I mean, I like that we're seeing the these brands and these models hit yeah. the track again. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I mean, yeah, the, the, the Acura came in this year. Uh, Mercedes is new this year. Uh, Lexus is new this year. Even the Lexus ran well. Uh, everybody thought that was going to be a bit of a bit of a. Yeah, they weren't taking it seriously, but you know the cars were competitive uh, and led the race. Um, you know, quite nicely at one stage or another. So, brand new car, it did really, really well. Well, it was uh, it was incredible to watch this weekend. Uh, you know, and, and especially the last hour. So, uh, we're excited to talk to Jordan Taylor here in a minute about about the uh, about the win the with the car. Cadillac. It's just incredible. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, his brother Ricky's pass of the lead was a bit marginal in my book, but um, you know. Oh, really? I, I wanted <laughs> oh, to. Yeah. I wanted to give you a chance to elaborate on that. Well, you know, I mean, it, it, he, he forced his way into a gap that really wasn't there. Um, it was a. Yeah. You know what? Well, cricket, let's say, we would probably say in the UK or even New Zealand, if Johnson, I know Johnson's down there. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but you know, he, he did what he had to do to win the race, I guess. But even his dad, Wayne, there was a great shot from the television. I saw it. Of Wayne, yeah, on the timing stand after him. And he was heading his hand thinking, oh, no. Well, you know I what? Mean, he, and he, and he was really gracious after the race because he knew he wouldn't have been surprised at all if a penalty had been called on Ricky and he had to give the, give the place back or something. And I, honestly, I would have much preferred him to have given the place back and then win it back again because he had, at that stage, he would have had another four or five laps to do it because the move, you know, it's, it's a, an old school NASCAR pass. Well, that's fine for, for oval track racing and short track racing in particular, but that's not how it's done, generally speaking, in road racing. And that's not trying to be snobbish. That's just uh, lack of respect for other people's equipment, you know, half a million dollar cars and what have you. So, yeah. Well, well, more than that, you know, million dollar cars and, and big money programs. But hey, you know, uh, rubbing is racing, as they say. Uh, <laughs> this is NASCAR land, and, and it was tremendously exciting. And, and, well, and in, to be I, perfectly honest, you know, they had their own little bit, little bit of bad luck. The race could have gone either way for a bunch of different reasons. Yeah. Well, hey, Jeremy, I got to give you a chance. We got just a, a few seconds left, but but uh, I got to give you a chance to talk to your buddy Jonathan down there. He's down at the Toyota Racing Series, watching all the action down there. Jonathan, uh, any of uh, any of Jeremy's boys down there that he's had uh, worked with? We've got none of his scholarship boys down here, but I, I agree with uh, Jeremy. You, you know, you can't be doing overtaking. It's not cricket. It's a simple <laughs> expression. One, one doesn't yeah. overtake after 24 hours and stuff it down the inside. You've got to make it – you might make it so. Uh, but anyway, um, no, not this year, but we have three Americans. I'm delighted to have them and delighted to, to see that uh, – 
Blackstock going as well as he is. Uh, Will Owen, who was here last year. And as he knows, um, uh, Neil Alberico goes on from strength to strength. And yeah, so too does uh, Ryan Tavita. So um, he's met, played a big part in getting those guys. Send some more next year, please. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'd love to. I tell you what, the, Richard Vashur, who's down there, the Dutchman, he's going to be teammates next year with a young American, a 15-year-old American called Neil yeah. Verhagen. And I, I kind of opened that, I, I, I opened that door to get, get on to Red Bull, and he's going to be driving with that team next year. Neil Verhagen is a name to watch out for. Yeah, we've been keeping an eye. Jonathan uh, gave us that update, and we've been watching him. Well, Jeremy, we got to run, but thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, go get Great some guys. hot coffee and uh, maybe pour a little something in it to uh, relax from the weekend. Hey, and we'll see you here in Austin for these races. Great idea. Look forward to Can't wait. Thanks so much. All right. Well, thanks, Jeremy. All, All right. Jeremy. All right, well, Jonathan, we're going to go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be live with Jordan Taylor from Daytona 24. Back after these messages. The 57 Chevy, a Rembrandt painting, the little black dress. When you're a classic, you never go out of style. And now, MyPlates.com proudly announces the return of the classic black Texas license plate for the first time since 1968, featuring a cooler, timeless look and a bolder style. Visit MyPlates.com today to order this legendary classic black Texas license plate for your car or truck. Classic black is back at MyPlates.com. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know it keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in Dan Easy leathers, the best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at MotoAustin.com. There's nothing like getting on a motorcycle and exploring the hill country for the day. What about taking that bucket list ride of a lifetime to some far-off destination or event? We're here to tell you that you don't have to own a motorcycle because with Lone Star Moto Rentals, you can rent a Ducati, BMW, KTM, or other premium motorcycles. Visit LoneStarMotoRentals.com. That's LoneStarMotoRentals.com. And come ride. Hi, this is Jeff Gordon, and you're listening to Speed City. Awesome. Jeff Gordon bringing us back from the break. Uh, you bet. You know he's celebrating tonight. Well, we've got a gentleman who is celebrating, I know. Probably with him. Probably with him. And we are so excited. We've been watching him race for the last 24 or so hours, and we are so ecstatic to have, have Jordan Taylor on the phone. Jordan, welcome back to Speed City. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Well, congratulations, sir. Yeah, thanks. I mean, it's 
it's obviously great to win the race, but to be honest, it's kind of a relief after, you know, the past, or I guess the past five years now, we've run this race flawlessly and, you know, never gone to the garage, never hit anything and, you know, had perfect runs and came up short. So finally everything came together and, you know, we ended up in victory lane. That is all in the past, buddy. You you guys looked fantastic this weekend, and that new Cadillac obviously did well. So I, we're so ecstatic for you. I saw your interview after the race. I think there was a lot of people emotional watching you. It, it's uh, it's just incredible to see you guys uh, in the winner's circle like that. Yeah, there were definitely a lot of storylines kind of going into the weekend. Obviously, Cadillac's return to sports car to prototype racing after like a 15-year hiatus. Um, Max retiring after this race, being his last professional race. Jeff Gordon in the car. Um, so, yeah, a ton of storylines. And obviously great to get Cadillac this huge win in their comeback. And obviously fantastic to have Max have this great send-off with such a big victory to end his career. So it's great to have Max, you know, leaving leaving on a high. He's still He'll still be around, obviously, but in a different capacity. So... Like family, so it was a it was a full family victory today. To me, that is awesome. I mean, uh, and for you, it's got to be fun to race with Max. But uh, I got to ask because there's been speculation that Cadillac was sandbagging at the Roar, <laughs> and uh, here this balance of performance. Uh, I suspect you're going to get a change on that balance of performance rating. <laughs> no, I mean if you look at. At the, all the raw data, you'd, you'd pretty much get an idea of where everyone was at the Roar, and uh, IMSA made their changes and for the Rolex weekend, and everyone had what they had. So I think everyone runs their own program at each test, and it's up to the series to, to manage that and up to the team to show them what they have. And we felt like we showed them an honest an honest showing, and if you look at the lap times, we picked up a, the amount of lap time with the what they gave us in rear wing angle. So uh-huh. it wasn't you know, anything in, in us, it was IMSA kind of granting us this this gift, and we, we were lacking um, aero. Uh, the Mazda was actually the fastest at the test at 200 miles an hour. Now we came to the race weekend, and we were maybe 193 miles an hour, so not quite there. Um, everyone, it was kind of confusing. It seemed like everyone lost a bit of speed from the roar. Uh, but, I mean, obviously... A lot can be said about it, but for us in particular, uh, the Cadillac DPI VR was the first car to hit the track last year in testing. I think it had 7,300 miles of testing under its belt before this weekend, which is tons more than yeah. any of the other cars that were on the track this weekend. So we came in, you know, the most prepared, and I think that that really showed. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm watching it look like I didn't see any particular speed advantage or any any obvious advantage either. So I, I would have to agree with you there. But uh, but yeah, this there was a ton of good stories on everything from Cadillac's uh, reentry and uh, and the, D, the new DPI class and everything. But uh, but there was also some fun stories. Hey, uh, well, you know, I got to ask. I understand that uh, I believe it was Ricky helped introduce some water into the life. Yeah. And uh, was that to help Jeff Gordon? I mean, did that did Jeff have any experience with water? Did that help him? What are you thinking on that? The sink issue? Yep. <laughs> the sink no, issue. I mean, Jeff was no help that night. I'll tell you that. <laughs> That's he, was, he's, he was no help. He doesn't know anything he about it. the rain. He's not. He's a NASCAR boy. That's why. <laughs> so, folks, we're we're teasing. He, he actually did a great job in the rain uh, last yeah. night. He uh, 
in 2007, he he didn't enjoy the rain experience, and luckily at the roar test, it rained for a day, and he said, you know, I better do some laps to get comfortable, so if it rains in the race, I know what I'm doing, and thankfully that happened because he was pretty much forced to drive in the in the rain this race uh, to get his allotted time in the car, so he got a dry stint, he got a wet stint, and you know, he was awesome in both of them. That is, that is awesome. And, folks, the, the, the joke that's not really out there is Ricky left the sink faucet running in the RV, and it flooded the RV. <laughs> and they didn't find yeah, out until well, they went came to bedtime. <laughs> well, we left for, like, sponsored meet and greets for four hours, and we got back, and the whole thing was lopsided, and we could see water pouring out the side of it. And we didn't know what was going on. <laughs> And we walked in, and classic Ricky just left us. Somehow he just walked out with the sink running, and it filled up all the tanks, and then the water had nowhere else to go but just start overflowing. And the floor was just covered in water. <laughs> if you, if you, if, when you tried to flush the toilet, it just came like came up like a volcano, like flying out of it. Oh, and God. it was a disaster. <laughs> okay, now... It was a disaster. I'm not going to beat up on Ricky too much, because that sounds like something I would do. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this is the Daytona 24 Hours. These guys are frazzled. They've been, you know, preparing intently and physically for this for for months now already. And now it's all come down, and there's all this weight on their shoulders. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's our Super Bowl. Um, it's our biggest race of the year, and it just happens to be our kickoff one as well. So, I mean, Ricky was the one, you could say, the quarterback uh, today at the end of the race. You know, it was all on the line in the last hour. The top two or three cars were on the lead lap, and, you know, it was up to Ricky to get it done. And he passed for the lead with maybe like an hour 20 to go, and we were leading. Um, and it was all looking good, and then a yellow came out, and we cycled back to second again, and it all looked dreadful just like the past four years and then he made an awesome move with like i don't know eight minutes to go and got back into the lead and man the, the people in our pit box went nuts we got to yeah. talk about that move we just had jeremy shaw on just ahead of you and uh jeremy said it was questionable my my thoughts if the nose didn't fit in that spot then it would have been questionable but the nose was there and uh and ricky stayed on course i mean he, he was taking an alternative line absolutely because he saw a gap but he stuck it, and he was staying to the inside of the turn. So, honestly, I'm with Ricky on that. Was it questionable? Yeah. I, I, you know, seeing your father kind of wince and, and wonder how the marshals were going to say, uh, what are your personal feelings if you could somehow forget you just won? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're going to be upset that it happened. But, I mean, from Ricky's point of view, he saw the opening, and he, he had the momentum going to that that open gap that was left. Um, the guy was not defend. He wasn't proactive in defending that position. Exactly. Uh, he was react. He was reactive. So Ricky went, and he had a nose there, and he was going with the momentum to go forward. And the guy turned in to close the door. So my view is it was a reactive move, not a proactive move. So yeah. In that case, that's that's the way the race director explained it in every driver's meeting that you can be proactive and not reactive. So. It's uh, it's all fair game. You know, what? a couple of tweets, uh, we had uh, one of our regular followers tweet in the same thing. He's like, you know, you, you got to protect those every apex. you got to protect them. And so uh, that mm-hmm. proactive was exactly right. And then, of course, what's David Hobbs' favorite saying? You you know, you can't shut the barn door after the horse is halfway through. You know, those. Yeah, I, exactly. I, I think that I my opinion is 100% that that was the right move. 
And and I believe we still have, you know, one of our co-hosts is uh, Jonathan Green. He's down at the Toyota Racing Series down in New Zealand. Mr. Green, have mm-hmm. you have you got any opinion on uh, for Mr. Uh, for Mr. Taylor here about this? We're we're all uh, saying that this was the right move, buddy. Dude, he's just won the t- Daytona 24 hours. I'm not going to argue with Mr. Taylor. I'm just going to say congratulations. And, and and I would say, having watched a fair few 24-hour races in my time, there comes a time when there are eight minutes to go. That that's when you make those moves because it's you're you're in it. You're you're in it for the history books. or you're going to be second. So there you go. I think uh, th- those are obviously questionable, but anybody in the racing community would uh, would say. You know, no problem. And if the stewards have something to say, well, it's worth the risk. Perfect. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you guys, uh, I, I'm so ecstatic for you. So, you know, you've got this this car obviously is, is set up right now, and you guys have got a great season ahead of you, uh, starting off with a win. Uh, so what are your, how are you feeling for the rest of the season now, Jordan? I mean, it looks good. Um, obviously, the, the Cadillac showed a lot of pace this weekend. Uh, we've only really run competitively at, at Daytona, so it'll be interesting to when we go to tracks like Sebring, Detroit, Long Beach, Watkins Glen, places where we put you know medium to high downforce packages on the car and see how it reacts and reacts against the co- competitors. So, I think we have a lot of trust in you know Cadillac and Delara and ECR, all the people who built this car. Um, so we think we've got a great package and. You know, as long as we can keep this momentum going, it's, it should be a good year. You know, one thing about that package that's hard to argue with is the the look of that car. I think it is a gorgeous prototype car. I think, you, hands down, you guys and uh, Cadillac have done the they, they've done an amazing job with what every aspect of the look of that car. I think it's amazing. Yeah, I, I agree, and it even sounds good too. I mean, a lot of yeah. these, you know, P two and LMP one prototypes often have you know, a quiet sound to it, but this has a big, nice 6.2-liter V8 throaty noise, and you can hear it coming from a long a long way away. So I'm glad that we could keep that aspect with this car when we changed platforms from the Daytona prototype, um, that we could carry that over and not lose that, that part of it, um, because that's a big part for the fans, I think, as well, to experience that and feel it when they're at the track. So it feels great in the car, um, but it sounds good outside as well. Well, we, we had Ricky on a few, a few weeks ago, and we closed the show with the sound of that Cadillac because we completely agree that the 6.2-liter V8. Uh, I, I think one of you guys tweeted the, the sound of that as somebody was on the pit wall as it went by, and yeah. it sounds yeah. awesome. We, we closed the show with that sound. It, it is amazing. Well, Jordan, uh, we are so ecstatic. You got one more question, Les? No, no. I was just going to say, folks, be sure and check out Ricky and Jordan and the rest of the Wayne Taylor Racing Team. They're going to be here May 4th, 5th, and 6th at the Circuit of the Americas for that big event. Definitely get your tickets now. They are available and uh, selling out quick. This is a great event. Get out. This is one of those events we tell you. Come out. Participate. You get all kinds of access. Come up. The Taylor family is always fun to visit. Come by, get a photograph during the autograph sessions, things like that. So uh, definitely, Jordan, I got to ask you about uh, about the Circuit of the Americas right here in our backyard. Uh, do you look forward to coming here? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've we've always run run well there. I think we had a second place two years ago, and then we won last year. Um, it's always suited our team for some reason. We we enjoy going there. We enjoy the city of Austin. It's always a lot of fun. We always have a lot of guests from Conoco Middle come to that one because. It's, just, it's got such a great atmosphere, not just at the track, but in the city as well. So it's usually one of the, the big the big ticket items on our calendar. 
Well, Jordan Taylor, thank you so much. Congratulations. You guys go soak that in and, and uh, get some get some warm coffee after being out in that cold Florida weather. And uh, we'll Hopefully see. Hopefully they got a hotel room tonight <laughs> instead of a <laughs> lopsided soaked water. RV. Yeah, exactly. We'll see you in Austin. It'll be plenty warm here. So thanks a lot, Jordan. I appreciate you coming on the show. All right. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Travel safe. All righty. That is awesome. Yeah. He's not going to have to worry about the cold coming here in May. It'll be plenty <laughs> no. warm. All right, well, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to hear more from Jonathan Green down there in New Zealand. We're going to hear, talk a little Formula One and probably a little more Daytona 24. You're listening to Speed City Live from Austin, Texas. Back after a quick break. Hi, I am an official Texas license plate from MyPlates.com, and I'm here to say it's time to get personal, people. Tell the world who you are with a personalized plate from MyPlates.com, like me. I'm talking favorite color, favorite team, favorite charity, and of course, favorite state, Texas. Add your own message, and then the magic really happens. I'm the official Texas license plate from MyPlates.com, and I want to be your license plate. Go to MyPlates.com and order me today. Now that's what I'm talking about. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Want to drive your car at speed on Circuit of the Americas? Edge Addicts is your source for more Coda events and more Coda track time. Whether you're looking to host your own event or just be a part of the action, Edge Addicts can get you in the driver's seat and racing like a pro. All levels of drivers and all types of cars are welcome, with instructors available for first-time and novice drivers. Life is short, and adventure is around every corner. So plan your high-adrenaline experience with Edge Addicts at edgeaddicts.com. Edge Addicts, it's better when you're driving. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. I'm Cameron Bovier. I ride for Monster Energy Graves Yamaha, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to Speed City. We are so excited to have, to have had Jordan Taylor on the show, man. Driving that new Cadillac, winning it all down there in Daytona. We said it was fast and it looked good. Yeah. There's proof. Well, uh, so we got a few things to talk about. We got Jonathan Green down there in New Zealand. I think he's about to blow a gasket after the uh, political news update down there. But, uh, Mr. Green, we still have you down from New Zealand. Oh, I'm right here. <laughs> Please make sure that passport's up to date and all credentials. Uh, we just uh, we just got the producer the uh, the interview from Thomas Randall, so we're going to have that one of those Toyota racing boys yeah. who, who's doing good. He's going to trim that up for us, Jonathan. So we'll have that in a minute. But uh, yeah, you know, Jeremy Shaw brought up the uh, the American. What's the guy's name? And he's 15 years old, right? 
um, this guy is uh, going to be uh, Richard Vashaw's teammate next year. And in some ways, he's not come out of nowhere, but he's been racing on the East Coast. And um, he's essentially a carter, uh, but a, a bit like Vashaw, he's been picked up. And they will both do Formula Renault, it looks like in Europe in the Euro Cup next year. So definitely, um, we've got another American to, to look out for. So very excited about that. Yeah, what's his name? I'm sorry. I think it cut out at the beginning there. Oh, did we... you hear me? Oh, now we can. Sorry. So... Yeah, his name is... Uh... One second, I'll tell you. Okay, sorry, Jonathan. <laughs> I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but it's somebody we got to be watching because... You know, and folks, it's one of those things. We always talk about the Toyota Racing Series. Neil, and... Neil what? Neil Verhagen, V-E-R-H-A-G-E-N. Yeah, okay. So Red Bull Juniors this year will be Pierre Gasly, who we know of already. There's a Finnish driver, Nico Kari. Uh, Dan Tictum from the UK. Um, Richard Vashore, who's with me here in Holland, the 16-year-old. And Neil Verhagen, who's going to be his teammate from the USA. Right. Well, so I know that you said that, um, obviously, with, with Thomas Randall closing the gap, uh, what are the other stories besides the, uh, the motorized sofas that I saw you tweeting out earlier? Well, I mean, the, the big story has been that, that Richard Vashore has been very much the most consistent driver, and he, he came into this weekend at Hampton Downs, which is always a... Uh, it's a bit of a classic European circuit, Hampton Downs. We had perfect weather, so there was no excuses. It was out and out racing. Um, and finally, the New Zealand summer came. Um, but it was pretty frenetic. Um, Vashore did a good job, um, but he did get mixed up in an accident involving himself and um, Marcus Armstrong from New Zealand in the last race of the day. Uh, and that put him out. He had to come in for a new nose cone and... His front uh, suspension was um, damaged, and therefore the steering was damaged. He went back out uh, in about 16th position and made it up to 12th, but then was adjudged to have been the cause of the incident and was penalized further. Uh, meanwhile, Randall was marching on to victory, and he had a very consistent weekend, two pole positions, and that famous win on one of the most famous trophies there is in New Zealand. And that put him right in the box seat, because he's now just uh, 20 points, 21 points or so off um, the shore with six races to go. And it's 75 points for a win in the uh, Castro Toyota Racing Series. So, you know, uh, it really is uh, wide open. And there's others like um, PK and Arubula. Uh, and even now Habsburg, who's raced here before, uh, who are all in contention. But Randall's definitely the man making the most inroads on Vashaw's league. Well, let's hear that interview you did with, uh, with Thomas Randall right now. Okay, Speed City fans, I'm delighted to welcome once again to the show Australia's Thomas Randall, who's pretty much taken one of the best victories of his career in a lights-to-flag victory to win here at Hampton Downs. Congratulations, first of all. Tell us about what was a very long and, well, busy race. Thanks, Jonathan. First of all, thanks for having me on here. Uh, it was uh, one hell of a race. You know, the, the, the start of the weekend went really well. We were quickest in all the Friday practice, uh, qualified on pole for both races, which for me was a major achievement. And then the first race the track was breaking up which I've never experienced something like that before and uh, unfortunately I came third which was still really good points and the second race was just one of those races that just doesn't go your way uh, I finished seventh so then I was really on a mission in that last race to redeem myself and uh, I got the start uh, thankfully and led it all the way from there you know we had a few hiccups with a couple of safety cars and the red flag but 
I just kept looking forward and just kept being consistent, you know, and the last five laps, I had to look behind and there was a bit of a gap, so I just took it easy and to bring it home for, the, for all the boys, for Victory R, my engineer Hagen is, is awesome. I going to say, you must be aware of just how an historic a trophy this is. It's one of the most famous in New Zealand, goes back to 1921, and there's a fair few Aussies have got their name on it, including Sir Jack Brabham. Yeah, that's definitely. You know, I was looking at the trophy a couple of hours before the race and seeing the names on it. The last Aussie to win it was Warwick Brown in 1975, and that year he went on to win the New Zealand Grand Prix. So hopefully, I can do the same thing. So to be able to be the, an Australian after 41 years to win the New Zealand Motor Cup, as prestigious as it is, is definitely a massive achievement in my career. Talking of which, uh, six races to go now, and you're now a very solid second place in the championship behind Richard Vashaw, but the gap now is 31 points. Yeah. That's awesome. So, I mean, after the first round, we were three points, and the second round, we were 58. So it, it just goes to show what, that anything can happen within the space of one race. So 31 points is is, is, is nothing to me. Uh, so we'll see what we can do going into Taupo, and we know we've got really good speed. If you could win this whole thing, what would it mean? I'd be a dream come true. You know, I, I did this championship in 2015 and unfortunately finished 10th in the championship, so I felt like I had some unfinished business. And this year, the competition is outstanding you know the, the top 20 in qualifying was separated by 1.2 seconds so I know it's tough and to win it would be awesome on my career resume well there you go and celebrate thanks for talking to us thank you Jonathan cheers yeah Jonathan obviously uh, this is somebody we want to watch just like so many of these young drivers in the Toyota Racing Series and uh, it's going to be exciting to watch this kid but uh, Jonathan I want to shift gears on us pun intended I want to I want to talk about Liberty Media. I mean, I was just telling Les, it feels like this happened uh, a week or two ago because it was such huge news that the the deal with Liberty Media is finalized, that Bernie Ecclestone is no longer the CEO, he's now Chairman Emeritus, and that Chase Carey is, uh, and, and Ross Braun are now in the driver's seat of this. I got to ask you, Jonathan, you know, being around Formula One for a couple of decades plus, how do you feel about this? I'm really excited, and, uh, you know, I said on the show last week I would be surprised if it wasn't a gradual move, but it seems, and now I've had time to reflect on it, it seems to have been a pretty much um, instant takeover, and, and what I mean by that is they've kept Bernie as a chairman um, emeritus, but that usually means that uh, they can pick up the phone to him, um, and he's got a position in terms of, you know, he's welcome to any race, but it looks as though his decision-making days are over. That said, I think he will obviously guide them in opening up to the deals that he made with the tracks, with the promoters, and with the teams, which do stay in place, as Ross Braun has pointed out, until 2020. So, even though this is a definite takeover, and already Braun has been on TV and radio, as has Chase Carey, talking about their vision of the future, uh, I think it's going to be, uh, we'll start to see some movement probably as early as Australia, um, the first round of this year's championship, wow. in terms of perhaps a few tinkering. But, but I don't think that anything major, um, for example, the opportunity to perhaps save manor, um, which could have been on, on the table given that they've now gone. I don't think that's possible. But um, I do think that uh, we will start to see incremental small changes, more on the side of marketing and um, uh, promotion. Um, but I don't think it'll be till 2020 till we see some major, uh, perhaps, rule changes in the division of money and promotion of the events. 
All right, I'm going to I'm going to counter you just on one point. We saw a comment come out that Chase wants an American road course F1 uh, street race. And so, you know, there's there's been talk of, you know, California, there's been talk of Vegas. You know, I still think Detroit would be a great kind of in your face answer to American you know, automotive world industry as we know it. Uh, how soon do you think they would turn around and add a race, uh, another race stateside? I think they could do it almost immediately, not with the calendar set for next year, but I think they could certainly do it for 18. Um, and I think a street race is, is a far more, well, not easy. There's nothing easy about it, but um, I think it's a far more, um, because it's a temporary structure, I think it's possible. My vote would be somewhere like Miami or Florida, where there's an international crowd coming into there. Um, all the time and they understand Formula One. There's also a high, you know, percentage of uh, retirees coming from the Northeast who also understand racing. My other option would be New York or somewhere up there. Uh, and I like the idea of Detroit like you because I think there is a rejuvenation in that area. I think the GM are back on the up. I think uh, Detroit would welcome it. We've seen the success of Belle Isle. I did an event with um, Red Bull Rallycross in Detroit. Much success there. So, yeah, I think there is a want to go to, to the Butter City and do something because I think they're open for it. Hey, so let's, let's talk about uh, Macau as we relate to Las Vegas. Uh, Macau's known for gambling, but uh, they kind of handle the race a bit different. Isn't the government involved there? Yeah, very much so. I mean, uh, Macau, which is now in its 63rd year, it was very much, it is very much um, a tourism event. Um, remember, it wasn't always a tourist, uh, sorry, it wasn't always a gambling capital, Macau. Um, it used to be purely a, a tourist destination. So the Macau Grand Prix was to let people know where it sat on the map. Now it's gambling and it's influx of Chinese gamblers coming to the, from the mainland to gamble in Macau has made it uh, the eighth biggest economy in the world. So it doesn't need to advertise its whereabouts. But I think the Macau Grand Prix is part of being a lottery and part of being the greatest street circuit in the world, um, you know, as a counter to Monaco. I still think it has its place, and it's still the most prestigious motor race in um, Southeast Asia, and now has very much FIA status with World Cups in both Formula 3, GTs, um, you know, and touring cars. So I think it's, you know, it, it, it has its a massive place, but it's more as a motor race than as a location, I think. You know, uh, along this story is uh, Circuit of the Americas Chairman Bobby Epstein weighed in on this this week. A local paper statesman interviewed him, and he said he likes what he hears. He said that another U.S. event uh, should eventually build more interest in the United States Grand Prix, even if it does make Austin's, Austin suffer a little bit initially. He says, in the long run, it'll bring a little bit more attention to the sport in our race, and a uh, second race would keep the, the sport in front of people for a longer period. And he does bring up a, a drawback uh, about the, the way it is now. It said all the other races... You know, start at such odd times of the day for so many of us, uh, and right. a second race here in the U.S. would be easier to watch. So the only thing that I would say in that is I think Liberty Media will pay attention to it. The Mexico race and the Austin race, to me, are too geographically, too close to each other geographically. And so I kind of feel like they may be stealing a little audience from each other. What if we had, uh, you know, the... A Coda race and a Canadian race early in the year, and then a second American 
race and then Mexico later in the year, knowing that they're not going to be exactly close. Plus, that would give time frame for uh, you know anybody that wants to attend in person to be able to gather up some vacation again and, and restore their yeah. funds and then go to the other race, too. You know, and Bobby addresses... The, the second race in, a, in another way, like Jonathan said, he said races are expensive. It says it takes it would take 60 to 90 million dollars to set up a street course. And the logistics are very difficult, just like Jonathan said. And Jonathan, this is a man who would probably know what it would cost to set one of those up. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it, it, and I agree. I've got no. I think we yeah, I've got no problems with having another. U.S. Grand Prix, I really don't. I think it, it's in some ways needed. Uh, I think the Circuit of the Americas is a purpose-built Formula One circuit. Um, but I think in order to get under the skin of the American sports fan, you can't just have one race a year. I think it needs to have more promotion, and we need to have more events, as simple as that. And, you know, there are worries about both Singapore, Malaysia, and even possibly Brazil. So there is opportunity, without a doubt. So what if the... NFL, the uh, football Super Bowl only happened once a year, and all the rest of the time the football players played in <laughs> countries on the other side of the globe. <laughs> yeah, that's a good Don't point. Don't count it out. It's starting to happen. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And NFL's trying, been trying to do that for a while. All right, well, we need to take a break, guys. And when we come back, we're going to continue this story because we've got a little clip of an interview with Ross Braun that was done by ESPN in the UK talking about Austin and the Taylor Swift and how all this... He's a Taylor Swift fan? (laughs) Yeah, all of that. So uh, stick with us after the break. We uh, back up to these messages. Welcome to Name Your License Plate. I'm Biff Biffington. All right, Mary Lou, for the cash, the trip, and a new car, name your license plate. Easy. My plate is ADD24. ACL, ATM, ABC, ACDC, AAA. I can't remember my plate. You should have gotten a personal Texas plate from MyPlates.com. They're so memorable. And I could have saved 40% with a five-year commitment. Be a winner and order your personalized license plate from MyPlates.com. Precision Camera and Video is the largest camera store in Texas with over 10,000 square feet and packed with all the latest manufacturer offerings. Founded in 1976 and still owned and operated by its founders Jerry and Rosemary Sullivan, Precision Camera is committed to the finest customer experience. With hand-picked products and on-hand experts, you won't find a more helpful, knowledgeable and accommodating sales staff for quality service. Come see for yourself. Precision Camera and Video, 2438 West Anderson Lane. Racetrack. It's where legends are born. Where only the finest machines earn their reputation for innovation and dominance. Such are the nameplates you'll find at Aston Martin of Austin, Lotus of Austin, Bentley Austin and Rolls-Royce Motorcars. Austin exotic, iconic automobiles whose racing heritage turns everyday driving into an inspiring journey. Because you're never just along for the ride. Highway 183 north of McNeil Road. Hi, this is Elena Myers, number 21, Motor America Superbike Rider for Team 21 Motorsport and McGraw Power Sports Racing. You're listening to Speed City Radio. Taylor Swift to bring us back. Thank you, producer. And Elena. I'm ready for some motorcycle action. Yeah, we got motorcycle action. Motor America coming to Coda and 
Moto GP coming to Coda soon. But uh, when we left, we were going to we we're going to play a little clip from uh, Ross Braun, who is obviously going to be involved with Liberty Media and Formula One in a big way. And we've got a clip from apparently he did an interview with uh, ESPN UK, and he talks uh, about specifically Taylor Swift and the how Coda brought Taylor Swift in and his opinion on that. Well, Jonathan, I know you've worked around Ross Braun some. Why don't you give a little intro why we ought to listen to this guy? Yeah. Well, I think um, Ross Braun is probably the biggest um, story, if you will, to come out of the Liberty Media takeover for for a couple of reasons. Ross Braun has been there, done that, got the T-shirt. He has been around Formula One for almost 30 years, and he's won world championships with both Ferrari and Mercedes and his own team. So there is nobody with more respect. There is nobody who understands both how to make a car, how to run a car, how to run a budget, and how the insides of working with a Bernie and how the insides of working with FOM um, and Photor and so on works. So to have him as the new head of motorsport is absolutely a vote. And I don't think anybody would question it. So, yeah, absolutely the right guy for the job. And I think he can help Liberty Media get to where they need to be. Well, let's hear this this clip from Ross Braun talking about Taylor Swift, Coda, and more. So Austin, for instance, had Taylor Swift on a Saturday night, and it was a great success. And um, and then you get you get fans who may not be big race fans, but they're Taylor Swift fans, and you see the race as well, and and you start to get this crossover. Liberty Media um, have a large shareholding in Live Nation, which is a you know, very important um, concert promoter. So, you know, there's cross links coming there that, you know, they want to be able to help promoters. And they've looked already at the successful races, uh, like Singapore and so on, and, and see what they're doing already to make the whole thing more of an entertainment package and try and create a template for the circuits to use and, and give them support and give them help to, to make their whole weekend or even the week uh, a much more successful package. And, yeah. And also change the mindset of the teams and the drivers that they've got to support those things. Uh, I mean, over the years, we've mollycoddled the drivers a bit and, and you know, they getting them to do support programs for Formula One has never been easy. And we need, you know, maybe we need a generation change. It will be that next generation of drivers coming through and know that's part of their responsibility. That's why I've got involved. I'm talking the talk. We've got to walk the walk now. We've got to deliver. That's my philosophy, and I know it's the philosophy of Chase and, and the other Liberty Media executives. You know, that's the message that I'm getting from them. That's what convinced me to get involved. And so Bernie's done a wonderful job, and no one can do it the way he's done it. And so that was the end of an era. We start again. And hopefully we can bring a, a different approach, which um, works in different ways. Yeah, Jonathan, uh, it sounds like you hear that part where he said that's why he's involved. Uh, it's a pretty, yeah. pretty heavy endorsement, huh? Absolutely. And, 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 I, and I couldn't agree more. You know, you look at the NASCAR um, model and you look at the Indy model. I mean, the Indy 500, which I've been involved in for, for the last 10 years or so, those guys are on junkets. It's like a movie. 
They go on the talk shows. They go around the country and they are seen and they are shaking hands. It's like a political, um, you know, um, campaign uh, to, to, to gauge, you know, importance and gauge encouragement and gauge interest in the event, which is the Indy 500. And Ross is pointing to the fact that Formula One tends to just land on a Wednesday, not let anybody in to the paddock unless you have all the VIP credentials. So no one really gets the experience. And I think I think Bobby would agree, and, and I think a lot of the, the, the people in Austin would agree that that has been, to this, to this point, their experience of Formula One. Yes, if you've got the money, you can experience it firsthand, or if you're privileged enough to be in the media as we are, you do get to see it close. Um, but I think that's got to change, and I think we've got to open it up. And he says the new generation of drivers have got to be willing um, to get out there and pump the flesh. It's as simple as that. You know, I think you're, I think all of y'all are on the right course with that because, you know, who is the biggest, you know, social media person in Formula One behind the wheel right now that connects with his audience? Without a doubt, Lewis Hamilton. Correct. And remember, it was two years ago that he got his wrist slapped for Snapchatting from the paddock because he didn't have broadcast rights. Yeah, it says it all, yeah, it's, doesn't it? It's exactly. That's exactly right. That does say it all. That's crazy. You've got this immensely popular driver and doing something that that now Ross Braun and Liberty Media and Chase Carrier are all saying they're going to encourage and that the old regime said they didn't like. I wonder if he has to buy worldwide broadcast rights now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but no, seriously, that's it. The new generation. The new generation's on Snapchat. You know, we're we're kind of behind the scene on Facebook and anything like that. So uh, I think they've got it right. You know, to reach the the next generation of race fans, they're going to have to be there. They're going to have to be Taylor Swift savvy, if you will. Yep, and I think that I love that Ross Braun is endorsing that. You know, when I first heard about Taylor Swift, then I was going, "This is great. It's going to be, you know, a lot of people." Then I was like, "Do we? Is this the way we want to try to grow the sport?" But I'll, I'll tell I, you. After standing in the middle of that concert with my daughter oh, and yeah. hearing the, the people, the repercussions for weeks after from all of her friends and their parents, absolutely. So absolutely. We, it so, worked. Uh, while you were off on the cruise ship, uh, John, Jonathan and I had Bobby Epstein on. And I said, to be quite honest, I questioned that because I wasn't sure yeah. a family would pay Formula One price to get in to have their kids see Taylor Swift. And I teased Bobby. I said, I've been looking up recipes for crow. That was an awesome call. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Jonathan, we've just got a a minute or so left. Um, Any other thoughts on the Liberty Media and and Bernie and everything else? I mean, uh, I know one thing in my mind is that we we have to a big round of thanks for Bernie. I know he's he's been a strange character at all these years, but he's definitely put he did a, a lot of great things for Formula One. Yeah, read his book. I'm no angel. It's a fantastic book. There's a couple actually, uh, and they are riveting reading. If you really want to hear about the history of motor racing at the highest level uh, since the 70s and since Bernie been around it, uh, it's truly amazing. I'm also reading Damon Hill's book uh, at the moment, and that too uh, puts it in perspective because his father, of course, was a great uh, two-time world champion. Um, no, it's a new era, guys. We should be absolutely excited and cock-a-hoop. We've got some very, very smart guys leading the way 
I think we, as the media, can help guide that. And I think we've got a responsibility now to ramp it up, to get more involved and to offer ourselves up, our time, energy and space, and more importantly, our energy, um, because um, I think that's what's needed now. Yep, I agree. Well, guys, we're done with our time. We want to thank everybody for listening, and uh, thanks to Jordan Taylor for coming on the show. Imagine uh, amazing win out there in Daytona. And check us out on our website, speedcitybroadcast.com. Follow us on social Twitter and Facebook. We're pretty active there and uh, trying to put out new content all the time. Thanks for tuning in to Speed City. We'll talk to you next week. Travel safe, y'all. is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.